1420 WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Evan Russo. A dark and stormy night. And we're here for the second edition of Spooky South Coast. I'm Tim Weisberg. Evan Russo will be joining us. And behind the boards tonight, making his technical debut, is Matt Costa. How are you doing, Matt? Not too bad. Have you heard uh, some positive reaction about the show during the week? Or? A lot of positive reaction. All right. Lo- as long as there isn't a lot of negative reaction, especially from the other side of the spiritual world, you know, I was a little bit worried getting home last night at about 12.30 in the morning. Uh, I live in a, a dark and dreary neighborhood in Wareham, and I was just a little bit afraid of uh, what might be sneaking up behind me. But, hey, you never know when you get an exclusive interview with something either. So. Exactly. And uh, Evan is just joining us now, and uh, we were telling everybody how excited people are about Spooky South Coast, how much they all want to call in and talk to us, 508-996-0500 or 508-291-0500 for Wareham and the Cape. We want to hear about your paranormal experiences, ghosts, aliens, Demons, possessions, conspiracy theories, crop circles, whatever you have, we're ready to believe you. And uh, we have an action-packed show lined up for you tonight. Coming up later on, we'll tease us a little bit. We're going to have a Super Bowl prediction from a renowned local spiritual advisor, Gail Hicks, the Reverend Gail Hicks from Fall River. She is going to uh, talk to us about the Super Bowl. We gave her a whole list of questions on which to meditate and to, uh, and to, to figure out exactly what's going to happen. And uh, before that, though, in the first hour, we're going to have Mr. Paul F. Eno, who is a journalist, a paranormal investigator, and an author who's written a few books. He has a new one coming up, and he's going to talk to us about his experience in the paranormal realm. But then again, we also want to hear from you, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. All week long, people have been saying, you know, Tim, I have a story that I want to tell. I don't know if I feel comfortable telling it on the air. But that's, you know, we're here to listen. We're here to believe you. Everybody listening, you know, is interested in the paranormal, whether or not they're skeptical, whether or not they believe. We want to hear what's going on. We want to get to the bottom of this kind of stuff. So... And, uh, and and Mr. Paul Eno will be joining us at about 20 past, maybe a little bit sooner if we can get a hold of him. And uh, we'll talk to him about his theory about ghosts, which is completely different than anything you may have heard. You know, commonly on these television shows, uh, ghost hunters or most haunted places, they tell you that a ghost is nothing but the residual energy or the soul of a person who has passed on to the other side. And Mr. Paul Eno thinks that that's not the case. He thinks that uh, ghosts are something completely different, and we will get to the bottom of that with him. So, uh, so Matt, um, you uh, gave a little bit of a preview to everybody uh, coming in, and you know, you mentioned that we we're going to have the psychic. Have you found that a lot of people are coming up to you and asking you, hey, do you know anybody that's a psychic that can tell me about the Super Bowl? Yeah, uh, a lot of people have come up to me and uh, asked me that particular question. It seems to be on everybody's mind. And you know what it is? It's because this year we're going to have such a close you know, Super Bowl. Everybody's predicting this is going to be a tight one between the Seattle Seahawks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're looking for any kind of edge they can get. You know, not that they are... No, not that they're wagering on the game, Evan. That would be wrong, right? M&M's, as I always say. <laughs> it's just M&M's, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, good evening. Uh, how are you, Evan Rousseau here? I've been here, though. I was not tardy. You know that I'm not tardy. Evan is never tardy. I'm never tardy. They, uh, I won't show up if I'm going to be late. Why bother? Well, I suppose that's one way of looking at it, but, you know, we're yeah, pretty new to the, see, they, the they, radio that's, business. Uh, that's the old state employee sneaking out of me, one of those old horror spirits. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how are we all doing? Here's what I think. 
uh, Tim uh, told you that he was going to have on uh, a psychic uh, to predict uh, the winner of the Super Bowl. Now, when she does this, and it is a nice lady, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. When uh, she does this, will she also predict the score? Yes, yeah, so we've given her a list of questions, and uh, I'll actually run down them real quick in case anybody is, okay. is interested. Hold on. I'm not, I'm not done yet. Sure. Okay. His, his, and I just don't want you to get ahead, and then people will be a little lost. Uh, here's what Evan is going to do, okay? This lady who's coming on after 11 o'clock, Tim? After 11 o'clock news, after yes. After 11 p.m., yes. And after 11 p.m., I have some technical stuff to do. Um, for about 25 minutes or so, so don't think that I'm running out on the second hour. It's just that with a new show, and uh, I have just about 20 minutes worth of technical stuff out there for those folks that are listening. So I'll probably be gone from around 11.20 to about quarter or 12. I'm not gone, gone. Just presently not in the phys- in the studio physically. Not but, gone in the spiritual but, sense. But in the spiritual sense, I will be here, and I will be listening to you, doing what I need to do uh, to keep spooky, spooky, and spooky South Coast on, on the air, so to speak. All right. With that said, here's what Evan's going to do. Uh, during the course between now and this wonderful psychic who is, what's her name? Her name is the Reverend Gail Hicks. The Reverend Gail Hicks out of Fall River. Fall River. Fall River. So it's the Reverend Gail Hicks out of Fall River, and um, she's going to predict the winner and a score. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, people now, to 508-996-0500, from Wareham and the Cape, 508-291-0500. You call in now, and we're going to maintain a list of of your guesses. In other words, you call up and say uh, the score of the Super Bowl tomorrow. Evan is go- and Tim and Matt is going to be Seattle ten, Pittsburgh Steelers seven. Okay, and then at eleven twenty, eleven fifteen, or eleven thirty, when the psychic calls and says my prediction is a Seattle ten, and Pittsburgh seven, I am going to give that one winner a fabulous radio. Wow. I have no idea what that fabulous radio prize will be. Uh, An expensive one, so I can charge Tim for it. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. But that's what we're going to do. All right, so everybody understands that, right? It's it's pretty simple. And rules apply if you've won in the last 30 days. Just because it's after 10 p.m. does not mean that those 30 days don't count. Uh, they do. Um, so you pick up the phone between now and the next hour or so. You call up, say, Tim, how you doing? What's going on? This is what's going to, I think, is going to happen. I think it's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers 18 and, and uh, the Seattle Seahawks uh, 12. Uh, and then our psychic will call up and she'll give her, her version. And whoever is dead on, are the closest within points now, you know. You know, if you if you say sixteen and she says eighteen, then you're two points away. And if someone said seventeen, they're one point away. They would win. So when you call up, I'm going to need your first name and your a letter of your first uh, the first initial of your last name. So if it's uh, Russo, uh, it's Evan R. That's what you're going to need to tell us on the air, and then your town. Okay, and then by Tuesday, during regular business out here at WBSM, you can come in and get your fabulous radio prize, I promise you. And, of course, we're looking for, I mean, anybody can open up the newspaper and read what those knuckleheads in the Santa Time Sports Department pick. We're looking for people that get good, positive, intuitive, almost psychic-like feelings. You know, you have it building up inside you. You know that that's what the score is going to be, and we want to see if you can match what the Reverend Gail Hicks 
predicts it's going to be. We gave her a couple questions to go over. Fire away. You like no, that idea? Uh, absolutely. You're absolutely. Reward the listeners for joining That's us right. here. That's right. Not only are we going to ask well, her... Well, reward enough, Tim, just, you just know, to hear our, talking yes. to you and me, I mean, twice in one week, every week now, you know, on Mondays and Saturdays, Evan and Tim. And I, mean, I actually showed up Monday night this week. You know, that was, uh, pretty... you better keep showing up. <laughs> well, of course, the Celtics are, uh, you know, they're barreling toward the playoffs. Uh, but anyway, that... Uh, you're a very talented sports writer, and we need you. Well, on, on Saturday you'll be night, rich and I, famous, and you go, Evan and Jack, you guys were. Wait, who's Evan and Jack again? Let me look at my notes. <laughs> Saturday nights, I like to take off from sports, except tonight, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl with Reverend Gail Hicks. Who will win the Super Bowl? What the final score will be? And if she can focus enough and, and get some intuitive feelings enough, we'll find out who will win the MVP award. Which quarterback, Seattle's Matt Hasselbeck or Pittsburgh's Ben Roethlisberger, will have the better game? And will this be the first Super Bowl to go into overtime? No Super Bowl has ever gone into overtime, and a lot of people are saying this could be the one to do it. But before we join Reverend Gail Hicks in the second hour, we are going to have Paul F. Eno joining us in just a few minutes. He's a paranormal investigator for over 35 years, and like I said at the top of the show, he has a little bit different theory than what you're used to about ghosts, and, and he's very well-versed in the subject. Uh, beginning uh, as early as 1974, he was involved in the famous Bridgeport Poltergeist case with uh, world famous uh, psychic investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. So we'll talk to him about that and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, just in a few moments, uh, we'll try and get him on the phone. And uh, we also want to hear from you, not only just your Super Bowl predictions to match up against Reverend Gail Hicks, but any kind of paranormal experience you might have had, any kind of uh, something that you can't quite explain that you're looking for answers for, even if it's uh, some local uh, ghost story or legend you might have heard. And, and you want to tell us about it, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And don't forget, we're available all week long on the Internet at www.spookysouthcoast.com. We're going to take a quick break right now and get Paulino on the phone, coming back with him on the other side here on Spooky South Coast. And welcome back to Spooky South Coast. I'm Tim Weisberg. Of course, Matt Costa and Evan Russo here with us as well. And joining us on the phone line right now, he's a paranormal investigator for over 35 years and a prize-winning journalist, former news editor for the Providence Journal, and former managing editor of Observer Publications. And uh, he is an author of books such as Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, and the soon-to-be-released Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny. Paul Afino joins us on the line. How are you tonight, sir? Oh, good evening. How are you three? Oh, we are... Spooktacular. Great. <laughs> and uh, now we were discussing uh, before you joined us here that you actually have a little bit of a different theory about what ghosts are. You don't see them as the residual energy of people that have passed on. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't know what, whether it's 35 years of this or, or the fact that I'm kind of an odd duck, you know, a newsman with a theological education and a degree in philosophy that makes me see things a little bit, little bit differently. But. Uh, what I what I try and do is to ask questions, and there are a lot of questions that I asked from day one, which in this particular case was 1971 when I had my first uh, first real case with a bunch of um, fellow students and a photo expert in Connecticut. And the questions were were well. Let me give you an example, if if you want to just uh, move right on sure. to uh, some examples. We stood in the woods of Pomfret, Connecticut, and this, this is the, the Village of Voices case as recounted in Faces at the Window in 1971, and it was, um, we were all students uh, between the ages of 16 and 18, and we had with us a photographic expert from United Technologies Corporation in Connecticut. And we, we stood there, and among the, the many, I must use the term spectacular, phenomena that we witnessed there, 
and again, this is our first case. We were, we were all petrified by the end of it. Oh, I can imagine. We, uh, we, we stood in broad daylight on this overgrown road in this abandoned settlement that had you know, long been uh, overgrown with woods, and we heard an ox cart. And it was so real that we literally moved out of the way on this path, figuring that somebody was literally going to come by with a horse and some kind of cart. And it kept approaching, and we couldn't see it. It proceeded through the woods in an area that was totally overgrown right in front of us, and, and we, we heard the hoofbeats of the, of the oxen or horses. We heard the wooden wheels. We even heard a guy yelling, yeah, yeah, and the crack of a whip. Wow. And it was right then on day one that I really began to wonder, gee, you know, is this a spirit of the dead? I mean, are there spirits of ox carts and, and mm-hmm. whips and things of this kind? Or maybe we're dealing more with time than we are with death. And in ensuing decades, I've come, you know, through many experiences of that kind, I've come to the, to the conclusion, the certainty, uh, not only that there is no such thing as death, I, I think I've seen absolutely no evidence whatsoever that people die, right? not even our bodies. Now, bear with me on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I believe that we're dealing with, with uh, the whole world that is being revealed by quantum mechanics. Now, a lot of physicists will tear their hair out and, you know, ready to, if they weren't physicists, they'd be axe murderers and I'd be their first victim. <laughs> but uh, there are others who tend to agree uh, th- that we live in a world that is far, far more than what we see and feel and hear. You know, it's a world made up of other worlds, and we'll, we can get into that if you wish. But uh, that, it, was, it was the experience of that, rather than theorizing about it, that really made me wonder about time as opposed to death. And as, as you may know, and I hope there's some listeners from maybe UMass, <laughs> you know, who maybe majoring in physics who can uh, be interested in this as well, but I think that if we look at the whole notion of time, uh, you know, from Einstein on down through Heisenberg, you know, time as we experience it simply does not exist. There is no past and future in the strict sense. So, um, you know, this can get into, into ideas about why death is impossible, mm-hmm. literally impossible. But, but that, that's, what really, uh, seem, that, that's what really is my orientation. I'm not interested in proving uh, what other ghost hunters, quote-unquote, seem to be interested in proving, and that's that there's such a thing as life after death. There is no way we are going to prove anything to orthodox science with anything we find. Why? Because for the true believer, no proof is required. For the unbeliever, no proof is sufficient. Exactly. You know, there's nothing we can do. So I, and first of all, we're the dummies in history. Every other culture in the history of this planet has realized that the paranormal exists. And the, the paranormal, as a matter of fact, is, is the mother of science and religion, for that matter. So I'm interested in, in respecting our ancestors as not being a pack of nitwits, uh, which science, modern science sort of implies that they were, and, and moving on to discover how it works and what it means and that's the theme of the next book the turning home god ghost and human destiny you know i want i want to try and point out what in my opinion is is the the meaning of all this and i think the paranormal is is not just a, a source of cheap thrills it's the key to the universe it's the key to our understanding everything even ourselves and each other well, I think the paranormal is a perfect example of uh, people's almost closed-minded nature uh, in terms of themselves and their own their own existence. It's like you know they have to prove the idea of life after death because they're insecure in the fact that they're going to die, and they have to close out something like Einstein's multiverse theory because you know it's uh, we're not alone type of theory. So I, I agree with you in that sense that you know people are just, especially in our culture these days, they're very. Uh, 
lacks to, to get into this kind of uh, theory. Well, that's the thing. It's uh, there's a, it, well, look at the popularity in Hollywood. Certainly, of shows like you know Ghost Whisperer and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I'm about to head into the belly of the beast out there. I'm doing a book tour of Southern California and Arizona, and um, I'm going to be doing some uh, some seminars at the Learning Annex, which is. Uh, I, I had never heard of it before, but apparently it's the key to the universe when it comes to Hollywood and all this. So uh, who knows, maybe I'll have my own show or something. But, <laughs> but uh, there's an awful lot of misinformation, and a lot of people out there with very little, and I don't want to sound smug, but there are very few people with uh, who, are, who do not have very little experience uh, out there and in this field. But again, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, everybody's opinion should be considered. And uh, I, I'm just, my theories are based simply on the way I've experienced this stuff. Now, don't I understand that your uh, background is actually in journalism, not science? Well, that's true. As I say, I, I have, uh, I'm a graduate of two seminaries, which seems to have attracted attention among a lot of talk show hosts, and I never thought they, they would pay attention to it. But people are very interested in the relationship between religion and the paranormal. And I try to be neutral on those grounds, because people, you know, people are comfortable in their religions generally. And... Um, but, but I did a lot of graduate work in, uh, you know, I'm a great believer in liberal education to the point where I did mm-hmm. so much graduate work in so many different things that I, ne- I never got a master's degree in anything in particular. Well, yeah, let's run down some of the stuff that you've actually done work in. Uh, psychology, philosophy, history, theology, literature, law. Those are just some of the ones that, that I found about you. I mean, you, you definitely b- bring a background of all angles into this type of investigation. Well, that I think is important. Uh, you know, we don't respect liberal education today. Everybody specializes in everything, and as a result, I think there's a lot of narrow thinking out out there, in, in even as particularly this field, uh, in abnormal psychology in particular, uh, I, I continued my, my great tradition of asking questions, which I guess maybe led me into journalism later, and uh, I, I would work uh, doing field work in abnormal psychology at the two state hospitals, one in New York State and one in Connecticut. Uh, fortunately, both are, both are closed. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is 30 years ago, there was sort of the middle ages of, uh, of uh, you know, treatment for the psychiatric treatment. And they were still using shock treatments, and they, which I guess are coming back as far as I, I've heard. But in any case, uh, I, I would deal sometimes with, uh, say, schizophrenics. And I would look into their eyes, and, you know, sometimes you get such a knowing look in return. And I've addressed groups of psychiatrists on this matter, and, and uh, I've gotten a lot of, well, sort of negative reactions, or sometimes positive reactions in return. Mm-hmm. But I've suggested that, is it is it possible that when we we, know, we all go into uh, cases and we, know, we try to eliminate uh, mental illness, for example, uh, you know, one of the first questions I ask is, you know, who else is experiencing these things? Who else is seeing or hearing things? And if it's a, a number of people, well, that, that, that puts you on a different level. If it's one person, you know, you, generally you'd say it could be schizophrenia, you know, temporal lobe epilepsy, et cetera, et cetera. But my question is, uh, having had these experiences with these people, is 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 it possible that these these illnesses, rather than creating the chemical imbalance in the brain that creates the illusion of these other worlds, say, is it possible that they open doors that are closed to us, quote-unquote, normal people, and that these people are experiencing their own lives in parallel universes? All right? uh, and the whole parallel universe thing is hard to understand because we're not used to thinking that way. Uh, I always compare it with uh, soap bubbles in, in a bathtub or, or a sink. What do the bubbles do? Because they move around, from, you know, they, they pass through one another, they'll uh, cross uh, different boundaries here and there, sometimes they'll pop. And this, uh, this is apparently the sort of universe that we live in, according to the findings of quantum mechanics. And it's not just theory, really, to, to any great degree anymore. 
Uh, my friend Dr. David Deutsch from Oxford University is a physicist who believes the way I believe, and he's building quantum computers. And what he's doing is, and in these computers, you know, computers work up based really on zeros and ones, and in these things he uses particles that can be either zeros or ones, depending on what universe they're in. And he believes we can reach into other universes and use them to improve our own. And, and that is key. I mean, if there's more than one universe happening at one time, if, if things aren't linear, as, as our minds tend to believe, then that actually opens up the door for a lot of these possibilities to be you know, easily explained and, and not this, this scary, paranormal unknown that everybody thinks it is. Precisely. And I think we need to take it philosophically as far as we can. All right, people are afraid of the paranormal. What is it that makes things, makes something not worth being afraid of anymore? Understanding it. Mm -hmm. All right? And unless, of course, it has razor sharp teeth or something. But generally with the paranormal, I think if, if, we, if we accept what all our ancestors knew to be the case and we get out of this, this whole idea of trying to, you know, at least for me, trying to prove this or that to the scientific community, which is not going to happen, then I think we need to, to we're, we're going to be able to do some wonderful things. I think we're going to be able to bring people together. Uh, we're going to be able to show uh, to people that their loved ones are not gone. Uh, and this, this is where we get into the idea of not even our bodies dying. Now, it's easy to say that there's no death when you go home from a funeral and there's an empty chair. You know, there's a hole in your heart from the loss of a loved one. But on the other hand, the stories we hear of, of people, and we've all experienced this, too, to some degree, of loved ones still being present. I think that's real. We're not crazy. You know, the paranormal is not an excuse for, for delusion, you know, for being delusional, necessarily. You know, I think we've got other worlds here in which they are still alive. And I think this is as real as it gets. We, I'll give you another example of a case that really got me thinking about this, and this just knocked my socks off, and probably will yours, too. Sure. This happened in 1978, and it's written up in my O2 book, Footsteps in the Attic. And I was uh, just out of grad school and had nothing and was living in a little cottage by a lake, uh, believe, believe it or not, writing plays for the Connecticut Dance Theater, trying to make money for more grad school you know, oh. uh, courses I wanted to take. And uh, what happened was the phone rang one day, and it was a, a young lady from the University of Connecticut. And she said that she and her sister had been in Maine, uh, the previous weekend with some friends, and the, the youngest sister had been uh, sort of a, her, her defining characteristic was her interest in the, in the paranormal and the occult and reincarnation and all this sort of thing. So they were driving around at Bend in, on this, this road, and all of a sudden the young girl said, Stop, stop, I know that house. Now, I always thought that, I've heard stories like this before, I always thought it was some kind of urban legend until I ran into it myself. So she ran up to the house. And the others went with her, figuring she's really kind of gone around the bend in more ways than one. And the uh, door was answered by a, a woman in her 40s who screamed as soon as she saw this young girl. Uh, a man came to the door. This turned out to be a childless couple in their 40s. And he couldn't speak. At this time, the young girl was saying, well, you know, I, I apologize for bothering you. Uh, you know, I just, I just feel that I know this house. Well, the man, once he found his tongue, said, you should know this house. You haunt it. And I said, my gosh, I've got to find out about this. So they had gotten a name on the mailbox, and they all kind of retreated uh, from the situation. And I, uh, as luck would have it, my mother's family had owned a house in, the, in this town, which was turned out to be York Harbor, Maine, uh, for over 100 years. So needless to say, we knew some folks in the area. I was able to get the address and, and the phone number. So I wrote the guy a letter. I said the girl had called me. And her, I meanwhile, I packed off to the Institute of Living in Hartford uh, for the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, which, as you may know, is a pre-diagnostic tool, and to see what was going on in her head. 
So my interview with the people uh, indicated that they had seen this girl coming down the stairs in transparent form on several occasions, looking out the front window and uh, doing a number of other things. And they had become so frightened that, that they had taken to going around the house together, this couple. They hadn't, you know, they wouldn't be alone even in their own house. Needless to say, by the time I got there, there was a for sale sign in front of the place. The girl, in the meantime, uh, came out of the test without, you know, any indication that she needed anything further. Uh, she said that she had had dreams, recurring dreams, of coming down the stairs of that house, looking out the front window, all the things these people had seen her doing. So I, I, I wow, this is amazing. But the, the thing that really struck me was she said that in this dream, it had been her house and she'd had children. And she said one of the things she wondered was, you know, it just sort of popped into her mind when she saw the place was where, how come there aren't any toys in the yard? Mm -hmm. So I said, well, you know, I, I kind of passed that off, and, and I said, this is amazing. And here's another example of how here's a ghost of someone who is, has not even died. And so then uh, there are many, many cases like that in my files. But now, looking back on it, if, if I knew then what I think I know now, I would say that, you know, these people were having a, a mutual experience of the same parallel universes. All right, and I think in, in this other universe that seemed to be close by, if you will, the girl was having her uh, family and, and lived in the house, etc. Uh, since then, I believe I've gotten photographs of the boundaries of these universes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you know, they talk about the light. You know, you, you, somebody's dying and they see the light or the tunnel of light or whatever, what have you. I, I don't. I often wonder if I don't have photographs of it. There have been some particularly. Uh, well, what Native Americans, I guess, would call thin places, uh, places where, the, in, in their terms, the boundaries of the worlds are very narrow or thin. And uh, I, I, and even my youngest son now, 13, who's my son Ben, who's joined me in this now, is, uh, uh, has experienced one of these places in Connecticut last summer. Uh, and the, the, we had literally photographs of, of rooms overlapping each other, and this this sort of what I can describe almost as it looks like plasma coming right down between them. And uh, in my, I think all these things sort of add arrows to the quiver of the quantum theory here. And uh, so th this is why I, I believe the way I do. And I think uh, since uh, we are alive in many of these parallel universes, our bodies included, uh, when, we lo when we lose the body we happen to be conscious of at the moment, it's no more serious than a flake of skin coming off your finger. I think that's really how it works. And I think in our as we proceed in our evolution as a species, we will be more and more aware of our parallel lives, our simultaneous lives in these different worlds. And um, so, I was going to say, uh, Paul, good evening. It's Evan. I've been listening. Hi, Hi how are you? I've been listening uh, and paying attention to everything that you've had to say. And there's just so many questions that myself, Tim, and Matt uh, want to ask you. So I was wondering... Um, and I have questions about, you mentioned your 13-year-old son, and when it gets to me, I have a couple of questions about that, too. But I was wondering maybe if Matt, uh, Matt had a question for you, and I wanted to fire away, let him fire away and ask that. And I want to let the listening audience know that uh, if you have a question uh, for Paul, you can give us a call at 508-996-0500 from Wayham in Cape Cod, 508-291-0500. Paul is the author of Faces at the Window, also the author of, of Footsteps in the Attic, and let me see, I, and, and Turning Home, God, Ghost, and Human Destiny. And he also has a, a web page, or you can purchase any one of his books, from www.newenglandghost.com. Did I get all that right, Paul? Yeah, well, it's also footstepsintheattic.com. I have a number of shamelessly oh, okay. self-promoting websites. <laughs> well, no, there's not, hey, 
Look, I do radio for a living, five, six days a week, actually. Sure. So there's no such thing as shameless advertising. We're, we're all self-promoting. My name here. is Evan. Yay. You know, I, everybody listens. I, I'm a regular here, a steady here. I, I do the um, middays on, on talk radio, and I do Saturday mornings from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., and that. And we just started this show here, so I'm doing bookend shows, as they call in the biz, if you know what I mean, Paul, uh, mm-hmm. on Saturdays. Tough gig, but I'm surviving so far. But Matt's going to fire a, a, a question at you, so go ahead, Matt. Fire away. I was just noticing that uh, in your books you touch a lot on negative en- entities, such as uh, parasites and poltergeists and what have you, and I was wondering if you could elaborate a little on some of these. What exactly are they? Okay, well, I'm glad you brought that up, Matt. As time went by, as I was proceeding in my little career here as an investigator, I would run into entities that, that just did not come across to me as human. Okay, And that kind of threw me a little. Uh, and it, I sort of came to the conclusion that uh, having watched what they do and the way they act and the way the people, in the, whether it be a house or a particular area, uh, would, would react in, in company with these things, it, it began to dawn on me that, you know, we're being farmed. We as a species are being farmed. And it sounds crazy, but it's the only conclusion I can come to. It seems that these entities, which, which seem to come from uh, close parallel universes, if you will, and, and seem to be able to, to get back and forth more easily than we could, and who, by the way, seem to like to hang around electrical systems. I find that houses near high-tension wires have a lot of trouble with these things at times. Uh, one of the first questions I ask in a house where I suspect one of these things or more are operating is, what's your electric bill been lately? Very often people will say, funny you should ask, it's been, you know, it's it's out to Pluto. So, uh, here again. I think most of this stuff is electrical. I believe that these entities are, as I say, non-human. I believe we have photographs of some of them. They seem to prey upon people who are very vulnerable. And I can just see the the whole ledge, all the legends of demons, evil spirits throughout the world coming from the activities of these things. And you know, it's a a little ironic, Paul, as soon as you start talking about negative energies, the phones start lighting up, we have phone calls uh, dealing with this, I assume, so if you you don't mind, we can take some calls. Not at all, not at all. Good evening, you're on WBSM, Uh, do you have a question for Paulino? Oh, it must have dropped off. Sorry about it's that. It's the other side trying to make a connection, Paul. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. I, I have a, a couple of questions, if you don't mind, Paul. Sure. Um, uh, one of the things that you say uh, you do uh, is that, of course, you are an expert in investigation by reading your books and, and doing everything uh, that that is obvious uh, for the listening audience. Um, but it also says you, uh, you're a soil engineer and an electrical engineer. Now, I understand all the concepts about being an electrical engineer and how they relate uh, to your type of investigation of the paranormal, and I, I get that. Soil, um, is there, is there uh, before I started in radio, uh, let's say that I, I was in law enforcement for about 20 years, so I understand the procedures of evidence and the collection of evidence. When you put soil engineer, does that tie into your, your normal uh, investigations? Is there anything left behind by a, a, an unexplainable act in the general environmental setting, you know, on trees, soil, leaves, that type of thing? Okay, well, first Are you with of all, me? You know what I'm asking you? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Now, let me just correct you there. Uh, I'm not a soil engineer or electrical engineer. I mean, life is only so long. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I, I, there is one. I, I bring a soil engineer, uh, Joe Frizzella from Wakefield, Rhode Island, who's a uh, professional engineer, a certified 
Uh, it comes with me on some cases. Okay, so they're on your team? Yeah, okay, they're my great. gang. I call them my gang. Okay. And also, uh, Professor uh, Everett Chrisman from the University of Rhode Island is a good chap uh, who comes along sometimes. So you have uh, a nice gang? You, know, you don't know me that well. Don't mind my sense of you. Kind of like Scooby-Doo. Do you, yeah. you guys eat burgers so. and stuff? <laughs> yeah, well, listen, my, my son says we should get a dog. Yeah, um, he's right. Actually, yeah, actually, no, no, we, we, a van, too. Hook yourself up with a van. We had a ghost-hunting dog. And if you find really? a couple of gorgeous cartoon female characters, you give me a call. I'll come up to well, Rhode Island. Well, we're still Island. looking for them. My, my wife kind of, you know, has a little, you know... Uh, I want to get our 25th anniversary this year. I want to make sure we can. You want to make sure you reach it. I hear you. Hey, I, I can relate. You said you had a, a dog that could sense ghosts? No, no. He said his son wanted to get a dog. I was asking. Oh, no, no. no we actually, we did have a dog who came with a son cases. And I'll, I'll get into that after I answer your question okay. if you want. But uh, and to get back to what you asked, uh, the purpose of having a soil engineer and an electrical engineer, and there are other people who sometimes will help, is that they can tell. I, I've noticed that over the years certain characteristics of sites. S-I-T-E, yes, that, that, will, that will contribute to a paranormal phenomenon. I think one mistake that many investigators make is they don't look outside the house. matter of fact, some of them don't even look at the people in the house. And what I find that when paranormal phenomena occur, they, all the ducks have to be lined up in order. That, that includes, uh, especially with parasites, there's somebody in the house having issues. There may be pathological issues. Uh, it, it gets it can get really complicated because there can be uh, psychological and psychiatric matters as well. But uh, along with that, there have to be certain site characteristics, such as we find uh, that, that high water tables are very conducive to this. Why? Because water conducts electromagnetism, which is which is the basis of just about everything, including the paranormal. I think uh, we find that clay soils often will contribute to this as well. The proximity of high tension wires. Uh, whether a lot has been um, has ledge and what, what kind of rock and this sort of thing this is all relevant. You know, hence the soil engineer, uh, the electrical engineer is uh, there as well because he uh, can uh, is very good at interpreting our Gauss meter readings. And I don't use a lot of high tech. I think there's nothing, no no substitute for experience and guts and instinct with this. Uh, I, I but anyway, we do bring uh, these folks along and, and they can. Um, uh, not only does Joe, uh, can, I found him sometimes giving people advice on, on their septic system, which may be in trouble, but he's <laughs> also able to tell whether the site characteristics are such that will uh, contribute to this sort of thing. Cool. That's, why, that's why we use those guys. Cool. Now, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the dog, and i got two other questions. Uh, in sure. Two, two, wait, I didn't, want to, I didn't mean to step on No, I just wanted to remind everybody that if they want to ask uh, Paul Eno some questions, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Uh, he's got plenty of uh, experience in, in this stuff, and he's ready to answer any of your questions. And, and let's talk about the dog, Paul. Okay, well, the dog's name was Wyatt, as in Wyatter, and he was an Australian Shepherd, which is essentially a border collie with no tail. And he moved in with us because my two sons wanted a dog. I have, a, I have sons, uh, one of them right now is uh, 20, 22, and the other is 13. <laughs> and uh, you haven't lived till you've <laughs> kids of that age. But they're, they're great kids. The oldest son works for me full time, and uh, the younger one is starting to come along and, uh, on ghost hunting. He's, he's, a, he's a sight to see, too. So in any case, we had a dog, and we had a case in Northbridge, Mass. At one point, and we wanted to. Uh, uh, the dog was new; was not really used to the house yet. So, uh, so I said, "Well, I'm just going to take him along and leave him in the car." So we pulled up to the house, uh, which was having some uh, even minor poltergeist activity. It was a, it was a relatively legitimate case, in my opinion. And the children in the house were very frightened, and they said, "Oh, you have a dog? Can he come in?" I said, "Well." I'm all right, if you don't mind. But usually dogs, as you know, will freak. They'll jump out the window. They don't want to deal with this. Mm -hmm. But this guy, Wyatt, he comes in with me, 
And he, he went, received me two hours worth of work. He went right to the bathroom and then to certain other places where there had been uh, centers of activity. And uh, he was great. And on, on the six or seven different cases, he came in and he, he pointed. He didn't. He didn't like that. He kind of stayed in the kitchen with the family. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he pointed out areas, and he was he was right. Uh, in this particular case, I believe that a uh, a um, a suicide. I'll say in quantum terms was occurring either in past or future in this particular spot, in this space. And uh, the the um, uh, ripples, as it were, were fanning out through space time. And that, that's what causes a lot of these phenomena, in my opinion, people picking these things up. And you want to get into that, we can do that, too. But in this case, Wyatt was a tremendous help. And uh, the only thing is, it turned out my wife was allergic to him, and we had to get rid of him. But we still have visiting rights, so to speak. He lives with the, <laughs> the uh, Australian Shepherd Rescue people here in Rhode Island. <laughs> but that's so we actually had a, uh, a ghost hunting dog, the only one I ever heard of. Um, in your book, uh, Faces at the Window, and this is the first question, and I'll, I'll tack the second question on, and you can answer both if you don't mind. Uh, first question, quite simple. I have photos myself uh, of, uh, I've always believed, let me start in the beginning, and we touched on this last week, and I brought the photos in, and you can tell, Tim, everybody can uh, see them, and, uh, that they're real, and I've shown them to a lot of people, actually. Uh, Three, uh, two and a half years ago, I lost uh, my home uh, to a, a fire, and, and the whole home was destroyed, and we lost everything uh, that we owned. Prior to that, we uh, lived there for 18 and a half years, myself, my wife, and my two wonderful children. Um, we always believed, myself, my wife, my close friends were at my house all the time, my in-laws, my parents, everybody always believed that we had you know, someone living in my house but not paying rent, which always kind of ticked me off. So we always thought we had a spirit in our house, and we, we would hear things sometimes, and it just wasn't one or two of us, and it wasn't shy. We had, when we had company, we would hear something. Anyways, after the fire, we're waiting to have the rest of the house knocked down and, and uh, demoed because you have to stay with city codes and all of that, especially me being a public figure. They were right there knocking on my door. As my house was uh, being demoed, you could see uh, a bright light at one end of the house because half the house was open. Uh, the second, and it was a single family, the second and first floor, but the whole side was open because of the fire. So you could literally see into the house from one side, and that was the side that they were wrecking it on. Uh, my next-door neighbor was across the way uh, videotaping it, and he lived on the same side as that, videotaping it, and, you know, my family with cameras and all of that. So after we take all these photos, we get them developed, we're looking at them, and we can see this bright white ball in one room. And then as that room is destroyed, the bright white ball's in another room, and then another room. And as I'm looking uh, in this light, as we're all struggling and saying, geez, what is this light? Is this a reflection? We talk, call the contract. We called everybody, you know, thinking maybe this is some type of reflection. And, and it wasn't, because there was, like, barely any sun, there was nothing. So we decided to get this, this light blown up. And when you blow up the light, you can literally see a figure, and a figure that looks, and I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, I am not a Jesus freak. Do I believe in God? Absolutely, I do, yes. And I believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. But I also know that if, to believe in God and Jesus Christ, that I have to, unfortunately, believe in, in evil, because, you know, one doesn't exist without the other, as, as God tells us. That's why He created 
created that, but that's a different subject. Anyways, you can literally see a figure inside this white ball, and it has wings. Wouldn't you say those were wings, Tim? Last week? It, it definitely was angelic in it, shape. Angelic. It looks like an angel. Seeing as you're in Rhode Island, I would like an expert opinion. I would very much like to send you copies of these photos, via the mail and all of that, and have you look at them and send them back. There's no funny business here. I can send you 20 copies. You can see the demolition. You can, I can show you newspaper articles from the fire and all of that because I was running for public office at the time. And like I said, I have my own radio show. So I, I got a fair amount of press on, on, uh, for the fire. Um, so I, I want to send these to you. That's number one. And then I would like to get a response from you that I can share on the air. Is that okay with you? I'd love, love for you to uh, do that, okay. sure. Now, my second question before we take this call. You mentioned that you bring your 13-year-old son with you. I have a 12-and-a-half-year-old son. Uh, how is this, uh, how's he handling this? Uh, his feet firmly on the ground? That's a, an age that young boys have thousands, as you know, Paul, being a dad just like me in the same age. They have thousands of questions, but why? And I don't understand this, and I don't understand that. And, and they're thinking independently as they should be, and, and they want facts and reasons like most young boys and men do. Uh, exposing them uh, this to this in a more mature level, how, how is he as a teenager handling it? I don't want you to get too personal about your kid, but overall, I mean, how, how do teenagers, and using your son for an example, accept these type of things when they're brought to them? My kids, for my part, about our ghost here, they've accepted it from the time that they could walk and talk because they would hear it and stuff would be missing, shiny stuff mostly. Gold and silver would be missing, which we found, by the way, after the fire. Um, kind of funny about that, too. But how, how, do, they, how do they handle it? Well, that's just a very good question. Thank uh, my, you. my wife and I uh, agonized. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> agonized over over whether we should permit him to be involved, and of course, he grew up with this stuff. Uh, my wife herself is extremely uh, nervous about it. She, she's very quote unquote psychic, and and she uh, but she can't deal with it. She, in tw- in twenty five years of marriage, she's come with me on one case. All right. Uh, our oldest son is uh, is now is about to turn 23, and he he couldn't deal with it either. He started to come with me, but then he started sleeping with the light on, and I said, "Well, I was not going to work." So, uh, but but the, our younger son Ben is a different horse entirely. He has always been interested in this. He's very grounded. He is a very mature 13. I suppose one might call him an old soul, if you've heard that term. Uh, so he started to come along. His, his first case was in, in Vermont uh, last summer, and he, he was really good. When there are children in the house, he sues them right down. He's confident. And I think that in his particular case, it's been very good. I, I, I wouldn't bring him in on anything really nasty. But so far, uh, you know, routine cases, he's been, he's been very good. And I think that, that at that age, there's a lot of insecurity. And to realize that there's something that most people are terrified of that he has conquered. Is very, I think it's is a very, wonderful re- lesson. It's very reassuring. All right, considering that we only got about six minutes here, we have a couple of calls. Let's see if they're standing by. Go ahead. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. you have a question for Paulino? Yeah, I was wondering, um, what's your theory on demons and demonic possessions? Good question. Another good question, yes. A lot of good questions tonight. Well, I think if you heard what I had said about parasites, uh, the, the original stories of vampires in I'm talking about way back in the ancient Middle East ancient China were not of these blood sucking you know noblemen they were of literally life sucking ghosts and that's literal translation from the ancient Babylonian life sucking ghosts 
I think that these things are very, very much the same as demons and this sort of thing. I don't think their theology is necessarily the same as ours may be, but I think they're the same kind of creatures. Uh, When I encounter them, I feel a sterility, an almost a lifelessness, uh, a non-human entity that that in some cases I've seen, I've met ones that that are, they just come across as very ancient. They come across as highly intelligent and, and able to learn about the people they're trying to prey upon. I think certainly these are the demons that we're talking about. As far as possession is concerned, when people have asked you what what is the the nastiest kind of case I've ever dealt with, and they certainly have to be cases in which the victim, very often a woman, has developed a relationship or a bond with the parasite or demon or entity, whatever you want to call it. And to have to wade in there and disentangle these these terrible paranormal relationships is, 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 what I, is something I really dread, but it has to be done. The most extreme examples of the parasite are, in my opinion, the poltergeist and the possession. Right? Now, I have been uh, witness to a number of possessions. That's one of the reasons I was doing you know, field work in abnormal psychology at Augensburg State Hospital and Norwich State Hospital was because they would run into cases, which were very hush-hush, where they thought there was something more going on than mental illness. A phenomena would occur in the room uh, in the presence of hospital staff, things of this kind. And that was one of my things was keep an eye on that sort of thing. And I think that when you have, when pe- I've never seen what I believe to be a complete possession a la Hollywood. I don't believe that parasites can actually literally control the, the limbs, the personalities of these people, but they can integrate somehow these personalities. Uh, and I've seen, there are some pretty scary things that occur. This is very rare, fortunately, as the poltergeist is rare. But I think possession, if you want to call it that, is is rarer than anything else. But it is a case in which the person has, by their own will, surrendered to a relationship with one of these parasites. And they do tend to run their course. There are times when uh, the parasite will have enough to eat, so to speak, and will back off. Sometimes another parasite will come in. I've seen parasites follow families for generations. Uh, this is where it gets kind of scary, but when there, but they are relatively easily controlled if people will do the right thing. All right, Paul, we we have another question lined up. We're coming up on the news break, but we'd like to get this uh, this other call in before uh, we go. And uh, and thank you, uh, caller, for your question. And, Hello. And uh, here we go. WBSM. Oh, wait, hold on one second, Paul. We're just trying to get him on the air. Here you go. All right. Uh, thank you for calling Spooky South Coast. You have a question for Paulino. Yes, I. Uh... How you doing? Hi, how are you? Hey, uh, Paulina, I wonder if you would be able to uh, um, explain me about uh, the uh, dream that I usually have. Well, I can try. <laughs> well, uh, see, my dream, uh, I dreamed this many, many times for the last, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 years. I dreamed that I can fly, and I can fly... Uh, I go on the street and then I start flying about six feet off the ground over people and uh, I fly like a bird. Sounds nice. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I wish I could really do that, but that's what it is. Do you, do you consider yourself a religious person or spiritual person? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, I very often find that when people are into meditation... Uh, meditate regularly, are very uh, spiritual, that they'll have more flying dreams than most people 
most yeah. people do. Most other people would. And uh, it's generally considered something good. Uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't attach any particular, uh, you know, profound significance to it, except that, uh, you know, you're 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 a, a kind of person who um, uh, is spiritual and and uh, perhaps is, is mystically inclined. And it's generally believed by psychiatrists that flying dreams are good for you. They they help you relax and they help yeah. your body to be calmer uh, during the day. So I, I'd say keep it up. And well, I thought uh, of about asking you because usually what uh, my dreams. Uh, uh, the way I dream, uh, it looks like when spirits are flying all over the all over the space, see, and the streets. Because uh, some some spirit uh, spiritualists have told me uh, many years ago that uh, you know the streets are full of spirits flying just uh, a few feet off the ground. Well, I don't know if they're all flying, but from the viewpoint of quantum mechanics, these worlds are right beside us all the time. Yeah, and we're in many of them. And so uh, I think that at times, I'm no expert on dreams, but I think that at times, uh, people, when they receive, uh, when they say the messages from dreams or they have particular dreams that stick with them, they never forget them, I think it's possible that we're conscious of, uh, of, we're, of other universes in these dreams as well. I don't think it, it's necessarily just, you know, neurons firing when we're asleep, you know. All right, Carlos. Thank okay, you. thank you very much. Thank you. We are up against the news break here, Paul, but we do want to give you a chance to uh, just plug your website and your books one more time. Tell everybody uh, how they can get a hold of your books and your latest book, which is soon to come out. And before you do that, uh, after we hit the news, if you could just ha- if you could just hang on, uh, Paul, so I can get an address to send you this stuff off air. I'd appreciate it. Certainly, certainly. Okay, well, the books, uh, the, the book people I think most be interested in is Footsteps in the Attic. Uh, the website is footstepsintheattic.com. Uh, if you have any listeners on the internet out in California, I'll be I'll be doing some speaking out there uh, in the next month or so. And um, the other book is Faces at the Window, and the upcoming book is uh, Turning Home: God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, and that'll be out in June at least, hopefully. All right, uh, all right. So your web page again is www.newenglandghosts.newenglandghosts. And there's a link to uh, Paulino's site on www.spookysouthcoast.com, which is our website where you can email us all week long and you can download the show to listen to anytime in case you miss part of it. Uh, Paul, we want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for your time and your expertise. And uh, hopefully we can have you back sometime in the future, maybe when the next book comes out. That's been a pleasure and uh, anytime at all. All right. Thank, thank you, you very much, sir. Thank you. And uh, we're coming up on the news break. On the other side of that, we're going to have the Reverend Gail Hicks. She's going to give us her uh, Psychic Super Bowl predictions. And then uh, after that, we are going to come back. We're going to open up the phone lines. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your theories at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 for Wear Him in the Cape. Uh, very uh, very informative interview there and for the, for those who were looking for an alternative theory to the life after death outlook of ghosts and spirits and like I said coming up on the other side of the break we have Super Bowl predictions Evan we're back with more of Spooky South Coast here on WBSM Tim Weisberg Matt Costa's along Evan Russo is going to step out for a little bit but he will join us back in a little bit and coming up in a few moments as soon as she buzzes us in here we're going to have the Reverend Gail Hicks she is a um, she's an ordained uh, minister uh, an ordained reverend and she's going to join us she has uh, spiritual intuitive, intuitive feelings and she's going to join us and talk to us a little bit about the Super Bowl uh, and if you want to check her out uh, check out her website before she comes on www.revgailhicks.com r-e-v-g-i-g-a-i-l hicks h-i-c 
ks.com and uh, actually the vip line is ringing right now so how's that for for psychic power she knew that we were waiting for her to call of course she might be listening that might be the other way gail is that you hello and we are joined right now by the Reverend so- Gail Hicks. Sorry about that, Reverend. I had just a little bit of technical difficulty. Oh, that's okay. Go. Everybody can hear you now, and good evening to you, ma'am. Evan Russo here, part of the Spooky South Coast team. Well, hello there. How are you tonight? I'm good, ma'am. Now, uh, Gail, I, I contacted you last night and said, you mind uh-huh. if I call you Gail, dude? No, that's fine. And, and uh, we said that we wanted to have you on, talk a little bit about the Super Bowl now. I'm working on him, Rev. He'll get ma'am and Reverend <laughs> down by the end of the show. Okay. Well, I, I try to be friendly and, and loose here uh, on Spooky South Coast. Now, uh, last year and before that, we had you in the New Bedford. I'm, I'm a writer also with the New Bedford Standard Times. Uh-huh. And we've had you make some predictions about the Super Bowl and the World Series. And, of course, you correctly predicted the Patriots wins the last few years and the Red Sox World Series win. So we figured who better to go to for the Super Bowl prediction. Oh, yeah. And uh, I contacted you. You said you needed uh, some questions to meditate on. Now you got those questions. I was wondering if yes. you'd had any feelings uh, one way or another about that stuff. Um, over your, your Well, actually, what I've been getting prior to was, um, um, as I would said earlier to you when we talked, that um, I really felt that the um, – Seahawks were going to be in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. I felt that more like in September for some reason. But um, I uh, I get a lot with the Steelers. I don't I don't get a lot with in my meditation with the Seahawks, except that it is going to be a very close game. And uh, what I got was the first half is going to be a neck and neck game. So the defense. It's going to be really intense on both sides. I think both of the quarterbacks, um, Hasselhoff and Rothenberg, they're going to be, they're just going to be really, I think it's going to be a really intense game. I don't think it's going to be one where one side's weaker than the other. And, and that's what a lot of people uh, are, are hoping for going to the Super Bowl because it's two teams that kind of flew under the radar earlier in the season. And uh, now here they are, the final two teams. And... When you said that you predicted, uh, well, when you got a feeling earlier in the season that the Seahawks would be involved, uh, you know, a lot of people would have said, hey, there's a lot of other teams, the Giants are in their way. And yeah. Did you share that, that feeling with anybody else and have them say, oh, the Seahawks? Yeah, I did. I told a friend of mine, and he's a Steelers fan, I said, yeah, I think the Seahawks are going to be in it. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah. And I told him that um, I saw the Patriots going to the playoffs, but I really felt that the Steelers would be in the Super Bowl. And and, and that was in like, oh, about, I don't know, end of September, October. And by that point, the Steelers were already battling injuries, and, and yeah. people at that point might have said, "Gee, are you sure about that?" Yeah, yeah, they did, and so, and you know, and the Patriots battled a lot of injuries too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, what I picked up, I, I've, I, what I got in my meditation was that um, I saw the Steelers winning, and they're going to make a historical thing, and I, I just feel it's a real tight game. And as for score. I didn't get like direct numbers, but I feel it's within three points, and I don't. I feel it'll stay in the twenties. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring of a game. Well, and you said historic too. Do you think that this might be the first Super Bowl that goes into overtime since the two teams are so closely matched? Um, I didn't. I didn't get overtime, but as I'm looking, but I meant historically, the six-seeded team to win the Super Bowl that would be a historic mm-hmm. thing, Absolutely. and. Um, 
the only thing that I got is like when I um, meditated and I'm, I'm looking at some of my cards here I pulled to see, you know, about injuries and who's going to do good. Um, I got a lot with Jerome Bennis and Heinz um, Ward. Mm-hmm. Is that who that is? Yes. I, I didn't pull the full roster. And uh, I... Uh, I got along with Jerome Bennis because even I've been thinking about MVP for the last month and um, who's going to get it. And I know it has to go to the winning team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I, I keep getting that Jerome Bettis is going to play a really good game, but I know they can give it to a quarterback, and it depends on who plays the best. But um, I just uh, I just keep sensing Jerome over Rothenberg for the MVP. Well, and of course uh, it is Jerome Bettis's hometown, so I have a strange feeling that even if it's uh, you know uh, even if it's a close call between Bettis or Heinz yes. Ward or Roethlisberger, I mean the sentimental edge it's going to have to go to Jerome Bettis, who may be playing in his final game. Yeah. Now yeah. Um, we talked a bit about um, having these. You know, sports predictions, but that's not all that you do. You don't just, you know, sit around and focus on sports games. Uh, <laughs> no, it, actually. Let's face it, if you did, you'd probably be a lot richer. <laughs> no, but I really don't bet on the games. That's not part of my exactly. you know, philosophy. And a lot of people have, have, that's the one question you hear from people when you talk about, you know, psychic abilities or, or mediumship. You, they say, well, gee, you know, if, if they really have these powers, then why don't they guess the correct lottery numbers? And you know, it's almost like nature kind of balances itself out that when yes. you do have these visions and abilities, they're not sending you the winning lottery numbers. No, no, and, and, they're not. And how do you how do you come upon your predictions? How do you come upon these visions? I mean, is something that happens to you in a, in a meditative dreamlike state, or is there a spirit guide that that's kind of giving you clues? Well, I have um, I have several spirit guides that I work with, and um, I'm not just um, a psychic medium. I'm an ordained spiritualist minister and healer. Mm. Yes. And um, I'm not from here. I'm from Atlanta, and I moved here. Healing moved me here, so I work with a lot of terminally ill patients. And when I meditate, um, I have a certain guide, a doctor teacher, and his name's Dr. Bigelow, and actually he was written up in the Standard Times um, for the, the first Super Bowl two years ago with the Carolina Panthers and the Patriots. And um, I remember when I hung up the phone when they said they wanted to interview me, I saw the numbers in my head, 32 with a big N-E, and a really vague 28 or 29, and he said, don't forget this, it's the score. Wow. And... So I didn't, and I, I have to believe and have a trust, and it's not me seeing it. It's what I'm getting from the universe and from my guides. And I've, I asked him, I said, you must really like sports because <laughs> I don't. I did, when they wanted to know about the Red Sox, I don't know anything about baseball. And they asked me the month before, and there were 12 teams, and who's getting the wild card, and, and I couldn't figure out the divisions, and it was a lot to meditate on. And all I know is he kept telling me is that the Red Sox were going to play the Cardinals and go four straight games and beat them. That's all. So I I give what I get, exactly what I hear. I I discern and I ask again, and um, sometimes I see them writing it. I can close my eyes. I can see, like, I saw a lot of green monsters, the green monster scoreboard, <laughs> you know. And I can, I can, if I can really focus, I can see, and they write for me. And um, But usually I hear or I sense it. Now, I do dream about it sometimes the night before, so or the week of I'll have these dreams like I'm at the game. 
But what I find interesting is a lot of mediums that do meditate, um, there is such a way of remote viewing. Mm-hmm. And the way I did, the when I was first asked to do the first Super Bowl, I, did, I pulled both rosters and I meditated with them for a week. And I would sit in my healing room with the Patriots roster and I would ask him, well, who's winning the coin toss? Who's going to receive? And I would see actually the whole Super Bowl, you know, for about an hour and a half, and I'd write notes. And then when I was interviewed, I would let them pick their tarot cards, and then I would look at those, and I would say exactly what I got from that as I was working with my guide and being interviewed and give them exactly what I got in my meditation. But what I thought was interesting was I was like, great, I've put myself out on a limb, you know. And um, I said, well, you know, I I love my guides, and they've been taking care of me because i work been doing this work for 15 years full time. This is all I do is healings and counseling and readings. And um, sure enough, watching the Super Bowl, it just, it was like, oh, my gosh, I've already seen this. It was really intensely exciting, and uh, it was very nerve-wracking that first game. So, and and these spirit guides that you have are these, uh, you know, former people of this plane that have passed on, or? Um, yes, actually, they are. My Dr. Bigelow is from England, and uh, he's a philosopher and um, also a psychiatrist, and he's got a degree in psychiatry, philosophy, and sociology, and um, he's. He's wonderful because uh, he helps me do my private consultations when I do one-on-one readings. And I, I am a psychometrist, so what I ask you to do, the reason I ask for questions is um, usually if you came for an appointment with me, uh, you, you would write eight to ten questions you want answered or confirmed, including loved ones in the spirit world who have passed on if you wanted to do um, communication with a loved one write their name and how are you doing and you might want to know who your guides and teachers are and you fold your sheet of paper up and I tape your session and I hold, I meditate on your first and last name and then he'll tell me, okay, this is what they need to know and I hold your sheet of paper and I never open it and I, I, I just start telling you what I'm getting and somehow it answers all your questions, and that's how I've been working. I don't really, I don't open it and read it. I just know that whatever's for your best and highest good's coming forward through my guides. Now, uh, when these guides uh, have passed on to, to another another plane of existence, we'll call it. Uh, do you see like some typical characteristics? Uh, that seem to run from spirit guide to spirit guide, and do you think that that might lend itself to maybe someday you'll be in the same position? Yes. So yes, I think we're all ascending to a higher level and um, to be of service always to humanity. But you can you don't have to be in physical form. Now, does everybody have a spirit guide that watches over them and guides their lives, or is it only you know the ones that come forward to speak with those that can can communicate with them? Well, no. Um, Everyone has spirit guides, and but everybody doesn't accept it. It depends on, you know, a lot of people think they have a guardian angel or their mother's watching over them, and and yes, that can be their loved ones and an angel, but also they can have guides that maybe they're not really aware of. And a lot of people are becoming more spiritual. That word's being thrown around more. I'm real spiritual, and well, what does that mean? And I think more people are trying to discern what they believe, and are their guides, and who am I talking to? I teach a meditation class on how to meet your guides and teachers, 
and how to really step get raise up your vibration um, out of your body so you can see your guide, see your joy guide or your Indian and talk to your doctor teacher. Your doctor teacher helps you get through college and school and then those that are have health problems, they might want to work with their doctor of chemistry who helps them heal themselves or their healing nun or a shaman. And there's a lot of people that are very attractive to Native Americans and and whether they're not Native American or not. So we all have various guides that help us do different things, but you have to call upon them. You know, it's kind of like if you don't use it, you'll lose it. But there is a full battery available for oh, those yes. that, that want. I mean, it, so, it sounds like there's almost a spirit guide that can help you in each area. Oh, yes. Your, your Indian guide helps you, like, rides in your car. He, you know, he or she is your protector. Um, I always say your Indian guide your banker, helps you with your money, helps you to get a better job or to get a promotion. Um, your doctor teacher helps you with school and counseling and family affairs. And or running a business, if you have a, or working in a corporation, your chemist is always concerned about your health. If you're getting and what you're eating, you know how people say, "Oh, my diet's changed. I've craved this." Maybe it's because your doctor of chemistry wants you to eat a certain thing, like you know lima beans or something. You know, so <laughs> not it, everybody it, wants to eat those, though. That's the problem. Oh, yeah, but they're really good for you. And then, like your Indian guide, you know, maybe you go shopping and you start buying drums, or you like drum music. You don't know why you're listening to all this. It's because you've got this. Indian guy, you know, wanting you to go dancing or, you know, go out and shoot some pool. They it's like to, very you know. strange that you, that you mention that. Oftentimes I find myself drumming just randomly on things, and I, I almost drum that Indian tribal beat. Yeah, so therefore you have an, you know, you, you, it's, an, it's an unconscious thing. And a lot of people go, well, how do you know you're, you know, the first time they meditate, they go, oh, I can, I, I, I saw him, I feel him. Well, how come I can't feel him later? And I go, well, sometimes you get so used to them in your aura or in your energy that you can't always feel them. You think they're not there, but they are. So it's a lot about discerning of spirits. you got to be open, and you can ask them to come closer. You can ask them to show you a color or a similar sign so you know which guide you're getting this drumming from or this information from. So it's um, you know you know that um, you know how a lot of people come in and they're singing that last song they keep hearing on the radio oh, exactly, or yeah. or they're singing a song they would never sing and it's some goofy little song. Well, normally that would be your joy guide. Your joy guide's a little person in the spirit world, which is a child um, who wants to stay a child. They they're your happy person. They bring joy to you. They make you sing funny little songs or that last song on the radio and. So that kind of energy, it's like when some people act goofy, it's because their joy guides around them or they're acting fun. It's because they're playing around and maybe they need to lift up. You know, maybe they've had a hard day and maybe they need to, you know, lift up that energy. So maybe these people that say that, you know, they need to get in touch with their inner child, they actually need to get more involved with their outer child almost. That's right. And the higher self, you know, everybody thinks that, oh, well, I just have to meditate to my higher self or this. Well, you, you have your higher self, you have your guides, you have to learn how to get to your safe place, and then you can meet them. It's like a curtain or a door opens and this whole other world comes to greet you. And a lot of people that come to my meditations class, classes, they like to meet their guides and teachers, but I've had 
one lady, um, she wanted to come because she wasn't there when her mother passed, and she sat for six weeks in class. And finally, one night, we came back, and I said, well, how was your meditation? She goes, I finally saw my mother. So her whole point coming to class was so she could see her mom. You know, so it's it's interesting that, you know, you can do anything you want. You've just got to believe and and open up your energy and and really focus. Now, uh, Gail, we're going to be taking a, a quick break in a minute sure. here. But we're wondering if you'd want to stick with us and maybe take some uh, some questions from the listeners out there yeah. on the other side. Okay, well. That would be great. What we'll do is we'll get with the phone numbers, 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500 from Wareham in the Cape. If you want to talk to the Reverend Gail Hicks about spirituality, about uh, just anything uh, to do with the higher plane of existence, about spirit guides in general, I mean, you won't find a better uh, a better source. So uh, right back on the other side of this break, we'll take your calls here on WBSM Spooky South Coast. Okay, we're back Turn here. all your lights, <laughs> lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. And welcome back to Spooky South Coast, everybody. Sorry about that. Still learning uh, what bumpers we have available to us here. <laughs> and we're here with the Reverend Gail Hicks, uh, who is a... a uh, do, you, do you refer to yourself as a minister? Well, yeah. I, a, yeah, a reverend, a spiritualist minister and healer, a and, psychic medium. And she is ready to take your calls, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 from Wareham in the Cape. We have somebody on the line right now, so Matt's going to bring that caller up. And hello, you're on WBSM Spooky South Coast. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Um, I just I got a question. Um, is this lady is she a, a paranormal investigator, or is she just uh, what's what's the deal with her? I'm just curious. Uh, she is a spiritual advisor, and we actually just lost her off the line, so hopefully she'll call us right back in. Uh, oh. she, she is a spiritual advisor. Uh, what she does is she meditates and 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 connects with spirit guides to uh, make predictions into the future. So, uh, oh, she's, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Um, well, I'm I'm actually part of a paranormal investigation in South Coast uh, in the uh, the local area. Um, with a group of guys, there's about six of us, and we go out for the last couple of years. We do a lot of uh, investigations around the uh, the Rehoboth area and a lot of the Bridgewater Triangle and whatnot. So we we've been around and we we know a lot of history around the area. We've we've actually experienced a lot of things. Oh, I'm sorry that we didn't okay. we didn't mean to cut and we cut him off as well. So, oh, okay. Uh, hopefully, he'll get back in and, and we can conference you guys together. Oh, that's okay. Uh, he was just saying that he works with a, a paranormal investigation group that investigates in this area. Have oh, you have you found that a lot of groups try to try to bring you in for that type of stuff? Um, I, since I've moved up here from Atlanta, I haven't I haven't been called, but I used to work on cases and stuff like that in the south. But um, I'm, I, I do house blessings. I've done exorcisms on houses. Um, a lot of people that have wanted to buy houses uh, that had been foreclosed by the bank that were haunted in um, at Athens and around Atlanta actually did um, an exorcism and a blessing to allow the um, loved ones who had passed or died in the house to leave so the people could buy the home and turning it into a wonderful center for children. So I, I've, um, I go and do blessings in houses and, and check things out for people because they feel like they're either getting sick or there's wind energy. or And you can capture spirit. You can capture a lot of uh, loved ones or deceased loved ones with digital cameras now and infrared lighting while in houses and stuff. 
Okay, we're going to try and bring that okay. caller back in here and see if Super. we Okay. There you are. Now you're on the phone with, with Reverend Gail Hicks. Uh, so hopefully she hey, I'm here. I'm sorry. I must have lost you over the reception there. Okay. And uh, and did you hear her response to your, to your uh, question? Yeah, actually, I did. Um, I, I heard actually I heard half about, about half of it. Um, <laughs> we've done a lot of investigations in uh, Rehoboth, Massachusetts. I don't know if she's familiar with Rehoboth. Oh yes, I am. I've I've served a lot of churches in that area. Oh really? Yeah. Well, um, we actually we actually went out to um, there's, there's a couple cemeteries out there, and we we checked out. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Shad Factory out there. There's a lot of places that we we read a lot of uh, local myths. If, Per se, and I don't know for lack of a better word, we checked those places out, and um, we actually experienced a lot of things that really bothered us. Yeah. Um, actually, um, the Palmer River Cemetery was probably the most significant. We uh, we've we've experienced some very serious things there. And, um, I'm not sure if you knew, but uh, there was the guys from the from the Taps uh, the what's Taps stand for? The Atlanta Paranormal Society. Yeah. They came and spoke at New Bedford. Um, at the learning center the other night, and a couple of the guys in my organization went, and uh, they found actually found out a lot about the place, and um, they found out that what we saw was actually not a human spirit. It was rather something more serious than that. It was an inhuman spirit. Yes. Which kind of kind of styles me because I physically felt a presence there. Like it, it definitely made itself known there. It, it really bothered me, and now that I know it was inhuman. I just don't know what to expect if we ever go back. Like, how do we how do we get a chance for it to actually appear to us and, and maybe get a chance to, to get some kind of evidence? Did you go in the evening or during the day? We go in the evening. We it, that's the only problem is that we 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 tend to go at night because a lot of us work during the day. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 kind of hard for us to get there during the day. Mm-hmm. And um, we feel like it, it's a little bit more. We feel a little bit more into it when it's at night because it's darker and there's a lot less distractions. Well, one thing is. Um, if you find an area where this energy is, if you have a digital camera um, and you can actually get orbs or as you ectoplasm, which is etherealized protoplasm, you can actually capture that on digital. Another thing that's really incredible to get, I think you can get it at Best Buy's or whatever, is you can get an infrared light, a, a camera, and um, you could take that with you, and actually it shows it like you can hook it up to a TV or a monitor, but you actually can pick up um, um, visuals, like etheric visions, you know, of the, of the energy, the person or that, that energy, that, that conduit of energy. There's a way to capture it. But I'm telling you, digital cameras, if you feel an energy in a certain area, if you would just take pictures of it, you would be amazed. But what you've got to do is when you take the pictures, do not look at it for three days. Don't, like, flip back to look at them, you know, when you do a digital. I understand. Okay, and the other thing is if you want to capture it the old way by, like, doing spirit photography, you get a Polaroid and you do black and whites. And what you do is you meditate, you take the black and white film, and you meditate with it, and you say, I'm energizing this to capture spirit on film. Then you take it with you. But then you take the pictures, and then you let it, you know, and then when you pull it back, you can let it sit and then pull it back later in the dark. You need to let it have time to develop because spirit can manipulate things. And um, if they want to be seen, you will see them. It's just like if you took a picture of a friend and then you have a double vision, like um, 
their astral body or an, or a loved one or you see like like lightning marks over them. You know what I'm talking about. I, I understand what you're saying. So you can capture it, um, that energy, and uh, if you're trying to make a communication with that energy, um, you know, you would have to uh, be very open and ready for that. I, I, if you're sensing it and feeling it, that's yeah. one thing. If your hair's so standing we, up we, on we, end... We went there. We, we actually bring digital cameras. We bring yeah. tape recorders. We bring EVPs. Because we, yeah. we watch... We religiously watch um, the Sci-Fi Network show, uh, Ghost Hunters. Yeah. We actually know a lot of them personally. Like, I know uh, Steve from that show personally. And, like, I we, we research how they do it. And we, we go by how they do it because we figure they get results. And that's probably the best way to do it. And um, we took we brought a digital camera out there, and a lot of times we bring cameras out there. We'll bring fully charged cameras, and by the time we get out there and start taking pictures, the the battery, battery just, yeah. just all of its juice, like it, it just sucks the energy out of anything electronic we bring out there. So then, what you you need to you need to take a quartz crystal with you. What's that? And a quartz crystal? Yeah. You know, like a, a quartz, um, a double terminator, um, a crystal. You, you know, you can find them at most. Uh... Most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Metaphysical stores. Yes. Or rock shops. You know, the quartz crystals. And then the other thing is to negate so they don't take all the energy from the cameras is you should get a black obsidian. Black obsidian is really good for protection against whether it's a negative spirit or a demonic spirit or a supernatural you need something to absorb that energy. So you, you know, because you can get sick. You know, if you're around that energy too much, if it's very abusive. And, and Gail, do you feel that a lot of these, uh, uh, with the success of, of TAPS and Ghost Hunters and these programs, there's a lot of people that are trying to become amateur or even professional paranormal investigators. Do you think it's important for them to consult somebody on the spiritual side? Yes. I, 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 I wouldn't. I, I, yes, I, is the answer to that. I wouldn't just go out there cold turkey and think it's a fun thing because... Just like I teach my students in class, um, if you open the door in your meditation and you discern your spirit, you know who your guide is, but you see someone that you don't know, then you say, if you're not in the light and you don't make your presence known, then I ask you to leave because you don't want that energy going home with you because it could make you sick, you know. Yeah, we've we've done ex- extreme research. Like uh, the organization that we we started started actually a couple of years ago. We've uh, done immense research in, in in all these fields. I mean, we haven't exactly taken like that was the first class that we actually had taken was mm-hmm. was. But we we've done our our share of research and, and and we have a general understanding of the field to know enough. You know, well, what that, that's good. Know what to mess with and know not what to mess with, and we actually learned the other night what we experienced at this this cemetery in Rehoboth was was nothing that we should be messing with. Yeah. But at the same time, it's been the strongest evidence we've been able to come across out of all the places we've been because we've been to to twenty to thirty different places in the local area over the last couple of years, and we've yeah. made a lot of repeat treat uh, repeat trips. I'm sorry, and this is probably. The, the best place we've been to, and like I'm just I just want to make sure that I'm not messing with something that could possibly follow me for the rest of my life or actually harm me. Well, do you do you protect? Do you say a prayer, surround yourself in the white light before you go into the graveyard? 
Well, we usually just go in and we, we ask we ask the questions and we, we always ask for protection. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we try to make sure that if it's anything that could possibly harm us, that there's a way to, to protect ourselves. Yes. But um, the, the problem is is that we don't we don't want to make that make it not expose itself to us or give us some kind of evidence to prove to yes. us that what we're dealing with is exactly what we're looking for. Yeah, and the, and the other thing is, um, do you go during the full moon or the new moon or whenever you can go? We basically we basically go whenever we can go, whenever we have the chance to get out there. We try to make it so, um, it's, you know, we try to make it so it's a, a really clear night. Like, we were, we were actually going to head out there tonight, but because of the weather, we decided oh, yeah. not. Yeah. Because we don't want anything to... to to mess with our uh, results or whatnot, you know. So we wanted to make sure that it would it'd be a clear night. It also, we, we, um, we, we shunned away from going out tonight. Well, Whereas, if you look back and all the times you've gone out, you should look back to see if you've gone during a full moon, because you'll have more activity on a new moon and a full moon. Yeah, I, electromagnetic I, energies. Yeah, I've, I've learned that. that. That does make a lot of sense to me. But these things, like, they, they don't really come across to us because a lot of us are college students, and it's, a lot, it's really hard for us to get out, you know, to get home and actually get together and get out. We just try to get out as much as possible. And if it happens to be a full moon, a new moon, or a half moon, or a crescent moon, it just happens to be that way. Like, we, we, what we're looking for is just results, and we we never get discouraged by going out and not finding anything. We're always ready to go the next night if we have a chance to. Mm-hmm. And this this place, this cemetery, is the only place where I've actually felt something. And we, you know, I wasn't the only one. And I, we've read up a, a lot about it, and, and all of it sounds like what we felt. And when the, my my partners went to the class, they learned that it's an inhuman spirit. And I don't know too much about inhuman spirits. I haven't really looked into that yet. And yeah. The, and all that, and I just don't know if it's safe to go in there unprotected without without any rituals or whatnot. And that's why I figured it'd be a good time to call and ask. Yeah, me. well, I would um, I would definitely. Uh, so your camera batteries don't go dead so fast. Um, yeah. I would get you a couple of quartz crystals and either wear them on you or have them in your pocket, and that'll help that. And a black obsidian would keep the negativity from going home with you. It would stay within its bounds. I don't think unless you invited it or that energy to come home with you, you know, don't invite it. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest that. No, I'd leave it where it is. And the other thing is um, I would... uh, I would just, if y'all have certain questions that you want to ask while you're out in the cemetery or what you want to gather your information, then I okay. think you should, like, maybe stand at the gate or before you go in and say, you know, for our best and highest good, if you can communicate with us or give us more visual or photographs, we'd be appreciative. But we know this is sacred ground, and we don't want to, you know, be a nuisance. We we just want to verify that you're here, you know, and yeah. we're very peaceful. I would put that thought out there because you got to remember, spirit communicates with your mind, so they know what you're thinking. So that's, yeah, that's, they- that's one thing I always make sure that the people I'm in there with is they realize that even though it is an apparition or a ghost or a being that we're dealing or a with, or serialization, yeah. Still considered, you still should treat it as if it was a person. Because yeah, you have to have respect. And the other thing is, you could you could get retain, you could gather a lot of knowledge. You have you could have a loved one who's earthbound, 
and or whether it's human or non-human. Now, the non-human thing kind of gets me. So is the group picked up that it's a non-human? Yeah, that's that's what they let. Are they saying they, it's they more like it, a poltergeist? More, they, they just said that it was a non-human entity because of a shadow. They actually call it a shadow entity okay. because of, of the description that we gave it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a man by the name of Keith Johnson, who is a very respected guy in, in the, uh, the. He he knows he knows basically everything there is yeah. to know about. But, you know, he's basically what we look up. He was our guest last week on the, okay. on the first show. Yes, yeah, he was well, the one uh, just decided that that this is a a shadow entity because of, of the description that we gave it, mm-hmm. and he said that it's an inhuman and basically subliminally suggested that it's not a good idea. You know, we really got to make sure we know what we're doing before we go. And, and That's absolutely true. From from anybody I've spoken with in the field, I mean, you really should. A lot of these groups start up on their own, but what you really should do is you should uh, apprenticeship yourself with another group that already has uh, experts in place. Now, one thing, caller, that you said is you said that you were looking for results. And yes. I think almost when you go out there and you start doing this, uh, you really can't, hook yourself onto the idea of finding results because you're looking for hard evidence, you're looking for proof. What you need to really be looking for more is experience, which it sounds like is what you're encountering. And I think if you take that burden of proof off yourself and just open yourself up to the experience, you're going to find that you learn a lot more about it on the fly. Yeah, it's um, one thing about... um, in my work, uh, everybody asks what kind of minister am I? I'm a spiritualist minister, and we believe in investigating. So that's kind of what you're doing out there is you're investigating, you know, paranormal things or energies. But investigate on a positive note, and I think the more open you are, that you've surrounded yourself in protection, the more open you are, I think you'll be more receptive and that you could still go back there and perhaps not attract that energy to you, the shadow, but maybe attract someone who's maybe still earthbound or there like a woman or a man or, you know, someone from a different time and actually capture that on film. That's what I'm, I'm sensing right now. So I think if you change your perspective, you can. All right, caller. We thank you. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on here, but we invite you to call us back uh, in the future and let us know what happens on these investigations. Cool. All right, absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And, and uh, now, now, Gail, um, if you wanted to, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Um, you can reach me at um, my um, email address or my home phone number. My uh, website is. Uh, com, and it has my phone number. My cell number is my work number, and my cell number is 508-736-7338. And um, I'm available. I live down in Fall River, and I work all over New England and the United States. So um, I'd be more than happy. Uh, actually, I, I wouldn't mind going out and going and, and investigating. Actually, I've been doing a lot of spirit photography myself, and I have a very uh, incredible uh, 
library or museum of psychic phenomena for the last 10 years that I've collected on my own. Well, we're looking into forming some sort of group or latching on to some sort of group that's going out and doing some of these investigations. Uh, we might do a show that's actually something that we record some stuff out in the field, and we'd be happy to have you come along with us if that does come to fruition. Oh, I'd, I'd love to do that because um, I, uh, I can actually communicate and get messages from the different energies or at least be able to feel out what we, you know, what's good and what we can deal with and, you know, and I and I can see clairvoyantly um, before pictures are taken where the energy is. So, and also another good tool for people that are out there working on things like this is dowsing rods. Those are really good to use to find energy also. All right. Well, we, we thank you for your time. And, of course, once again, uh, you predict that it will be the Steelers in a close game. You predict the score somewhere in the 20s. Yes. And that it will be within three points. And uh, Jerome Bettis is your strong feeling for the MVP. That's right. Okay. The Reverend Gail Hicks, thank you for joining us. Uh, and thank I'm you, sure Ken. we'll be talking to you in the future, you know, the, uh, the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and the, the <laughs> NBA playoffs right around the corner. Sure. Right. Great. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. And we need to take a quick one-minute break, and we'll be back on the other side. We want your calls, 508-996-0500, for Wear Him in the Cape. We want to hear from you to close out the final 15 minutes or so of Spooky South Coast here on WBSM. Beaming from the studios of AM 1420 WBSM into the night and beyond, here's more of Spooky South Coast. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast on this dark and dreary evening here on WBSM. Tim Weisberg here, Matt Costa is along for the ride, and right now we'd like to hear from you. 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 for Wear Him in the Cape. Any stories you might have for us, any experiences, any theories, we'd like to hear them. Not just about ghosts, not just about you know, spiritual activity, not just about seeing into the future, just about anything a little bit off the beaten track. We'd like to talk to you about it. Uh, also, don't forget, all week long, you can check us out on our website, www.spookysouthcoast.com. On that, you can find the Spooky South Coast blog, which is where Matt and I post our thoughts all week long. And uh, we're going to be getting Evan involved in that, too, once, uh, once we get him all the right passwords. And you can see what we think of the guests that we have on. That's where you can find out the information as to who's coming up next week, which we're still in the process of working on, but we can tell you it's going to have something to do with the Bridgewater Triangle and the spirits of King Philip's War. And also, you can uh, download the show at any time by going to the website. And uh, I think it's a live stream, or Matt, I know you were going to try and see if you could send it to an iPod. Any, any luck with that? Or? Uh, not so far, but I'm working on it. Well, I think that's probably uh, my technical inexpertise, but we will get it going so that you can put it onto an iPod. Uh, I think, actually, uh, I'm going to ask our friends at Happy Snail Media to help me out on that one, where... Uh, Happy Snail Media, of course, being the nonprofit organization that puts together our our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. They have an interesting motto. I don't know if you know it. What is that? (laughs) They're happy to do it, but it'll take forever. That's why they're Happy (laughs) Snail Media. Okay, now, uh, once again, 508-996-0500, for Wareham and the Cape. Right now, we're going to do a little segment for you we like to call This Week in Weird, where we call the Internet to find some of the stranger stories out there and to uh, let you know what's going on that you might not have read in your local copy of the Standard Times free plug there from my other job. Matt, why don't you tell us about the first story? All right. 
Is Big Big Brother watching? I've been wondering this my whole life. I've always felt that perhaps he is. <laughs> uh, small microchips have been inserted in the skins of more than 2,000 people around the world and 60 U.S. citizens alone by a Florida company, Verichip, since the FDA gave its approval in 2004. For a cost of about $200, these chips are inserted into the skin of humans much like they, they are into pets, encoded with a string of numbers that when read by a special device will call up owner information. Now, I, I've had this happen to me before. Uh, I found a lost dog one time, and, and, you know, I called the animal rescue and said that I, I have this dog, and, you know, I'd like to find its rightful owner, and they come and they have this weird little barcode-type scanner like you see in the supermarket, and boop, stick it right under his neck, and, uh, you know, pour it right on his neck, and they found out all the information. So is that s- similar to what they're talking about here? Well, mostly they're, they're aiming on uh, using it to identify medical information. However, some people are taking it a step beyond and voluntarily having chips implanted with what they call an RFID tag, which works as a scanner much in the same way as a supermarket barcode, like you said, or at a gas station easy pass. The uh, technology would allow instant access to computers, easier opening of doors, and the like. Known as tagging, it becomes more popular among the computer-savvy crowd. It's it's uh it sounds like an interesting uh interesting process to have done, but I mean is there any kind of negative connotation to it or well some some people, however, uh feel that implanting the chip the chip in the body makes it too easy for the government to keep track of you and control your well, I mean, that's, that is one of, the, rights. It's one of the big things that uh, they're discussing in the media these days is, you know, there's talk about U.S. citizens having chips uh, implanted into them so that when they do go abroad, you know, they're easier kept track of, and, and vice versa as well. When you, uh, you know, have suspected terrorists in other countries or, or people that you bring in, people of questionable activity, you have these chips implanted in them so you can monitor them, much like, you know, the wildlife people monitor a bear to check the bear population, so... That's a, a very interesting story that we will be sure to keep a, a close eye on. Uh, something else that's been happening over in India, way on the other side of the world. Back on January 31st, the city of Dharamsala, India, was besieged with reports of UFO sightings and mysterious flashes from flying saucers over the Dhajalar Mountains. Uh, now, people would, would, were looking out over the mountains, and they saw these reflective lights and immediately started phoning the authorities, wondering, you know, what was going on. And uh, the authorities dismissed them as nothing more than, quote, solar lights from a nearby army camp. Uh, the, this deputy commissioner of Kangra, Bharat Kara, said that it was coming from these solar lights that were installed in the camp, but there's no cause for alarm, and also asked people to refrain from spreading rumors. However, the people of Dharamsala, India, have said that they would like to see a repeat activity uh, controlled by the army. They want to see this actually happening in action before they're going to buy it. Otherwise, they're going to keep going with their UFO theory. And uh, one other story here that we have for you. Uh, A new poll says that more Americans believe in the paranormal than ever before. The latest issue of Skeptical Inquirer magazine, which is a magazine that Matt and I check out frequently, we're looking to bring on some of the writers from Skeptical Inquirer to talk to us a little bit about the science side of things and whether or not the paranormal really exists. This magazine had a new study where 439 college students were polled and uh, on their belief in the paranormal. And the study found that, contrary to their expectations, the higher someone's education, the more likely they are to believe in paranormal phenomena. 
so of the 439 that they polled, 23% of freshmen believed in paranormal concepts such as things we've talked about here the last two weeks, astrology, communicating with the dead, parapsychology, while 31% of seniors and 34% of graduate students believe that paranormal activity is in fact real. And uh, in a related story, a recent Gallup poll found that 32% of Americans believe in some sort of paranormal activity, and a good portion of those have claimed to have had some sort of activity in their lives that have led them to that belief. So uh, now, Matt, uh, this is, as I said, the second week of Spooky South Coast. Do you, th- do you feel that maybe, uh, you know, there's a, do you still feel that strong uh, feeling of people out there that believe in the paranormal, that are looking for an avenue to talk about it? I mean, have people have been coming up to you and saying, hey, you know, uh, I got this story for you. I don't know if it would be right for the show. you hear a lot of that? Or? Oh, definitely. It's, it's been a, a constant, constant uh just it's like almost like now it's like uh you know when you get that friend that uh you know finally gets his uh medical degree finally becomes a you know like a psychologist and all of a sudden every time you have him over the house for a beer and to watch a football game oh, i gotta tell you man i can tell you what happened to me tell me what you think people, so you people, get a lot of that people who i didn't even know were interested in the subject have been coming up to me and Ask me all sorts of questions, yeah, and you can meet some uh, some some interesting and, and new friends uh, as we did today. Definitely interesting. Yes, and, and there's there's a, a wide variety of uh, stories out there, and each and every week we want to connect with you and hear your stories. We still have a few minutes left. We can open up the phones five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred five zero one two nine one zero five hundred for Wareham and the Cape. And uh, once again, uh, www.spookysouthcoast.com in order to get in touch with us all week long. On that site, we have email addresses where you can send us your own evidence of the paranormal. You can send us photographs. We hope to sometime soon uh, get a page set up where you can submit your paranormal photography. Not only will we put it up there, but we're going to try and get in touch with the experts in the field to try and find out if we can dismiss or accredit this photography uh, and, and give you more of an idea of what's going on. Uh, we also hope to have uh, in the future the ability to post EVP work. I know a lot of people are getting into the technical side of ghost hunting and, and paranormal investigating right now. And I think a good reason for that is, you know, if you're going to start doing this and going out there every weekend, it's a good excuse to go out and buy some of these quote-unquote toys uh, within the field. And, and uh, recording technology, especially digital recording technology, because you get the instant gratification of playing it back and, and not having to develop it. As, as Gail Hicks said earlier, you can look at that photo, even though she advises you wait a couple of days. Uh, you can find out almost right away if something's going on. And, uh, but also the other benefit of that is it's easier to get the information over to us, and we can, in turn, get it to the experts. Now, Matt, you have this, uh, this big uh, reference book here that you recently purchased. Uh, why don't you tell everybody what the title of that book is? Uh, the title of it is Ghosts and Spirits, an encyclopedia, uh, by Rosemar- Rosemary Ellen Guiley, which is uh, a friend of a friend of mine at Capers. Which is the so, Cape and Islands Paranormal Research he Society. He referred me to the book. It's been very informative so far, the uh, couple hours that I've gone to read it. And it's it's, and this is probably something we're going to use as a handbook because you know we we are by no means experts in this field. We're just uh, three people that are very interested in the paranormal, and we've been able to make some contacts within that genre, within that realm, and we want to be able to bring the experts to you, uh, just as that gentleman did before. You know, we want to put you on the air with these people, ask some questions because we're all out here searching for answers and so uh we're we're coming up uh on the close of the show we can maybe squeeze in one call 508 996 
508-291-0500. Otherwise, as I said, you can get in touch with us all week long on the website. And, of course, we'll be here next week. The uh, Confirmed for next week so far, we have Aaron Kadu, who is a local filmmaker. Uh, he makes documentary films, and he produced a film called Inside the Bridgewater Triangle, uh, where he took a, a basically a handheld camera, and uh, he interviewed, as Matt said, some members of Capers, who uh, are a local paranormal investigation group out of Cape Cod. He spoke with them about uh, their experiences of their investigation of the Bridgewater Triangle. And uh, he also talked to Christopher Pittman, who runs the foremost website on the Bridgewater Triangle, which is part of the Mass UFO Resource Network. We're going to have a link up this week on SpookySouthCoast.com so you can check all that stuff out. And once again, you can send us any stories or ideas you have in that realm. Oh, Evan, you look like you're all out of breath. <laughs> How you doing? Battling demons on your way no, here, I hope no, not. No, no, no. It's just it's nasty out, folks. If you're outside, you're leaving to go to work, or you want to pick up a, a child uh, from a dance or a function or whatever, please be careful. It is uh, windy outside. I did have to run um, down the street off the highway there and, uh, and back again. I moved very quickly. Um, I was listening. I was listening to everything on the radio. Uh, mm. What's we're going to do here? Let me see. Let me check. We didn't. We didn't clock. embarrass ourselves. Uh, I hope it's, it's eleven uh, fifty-seven uh, thirty-five. We're going to take a thirty-second spot. Come back and wrap it up. You're listening to WBSM fourteen twenty. We'll be right back. Beaming from the studios of AM fourteen twenty WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. And we're coming up on the closing moments of this week's edition of Spooky South Coast. There's still a few technical bugs we apologize for. Uh, we're, we're vastly improving each week, I think. And, and, of course, we're improving in the information we can bring out to the listeners. And next week's a test because Uncle Evan will not be here. Uncle, really? Uh, Uncle Evan here, let me plug it real quick. We'll be at Cobblestone's Restaurant from 5 to 9, raising money for kids for Brick by Brick Organization. My Myself and Ward 1 City Council in the Morat. Uh, the celebrity bartenders, uh, two months in a row for me, I'm going back, believe it or not, by request, by popular request, so not a bad deal. So you two guys are flying solo. Well, you're just going to bring us back some food at the end, right? Mm, I'll be working behind the bar. <laughs> I actually work at these events and, and build up a sweat. All right. All right. Well, uh, we thank you for joining us. Super Bowl tomorrow, folks. Tuning in WBSM right here, starting at 4 o'clock. And we'll see you next week.